and white TV. It had that VHF, UHF thing going on. You know, I don't even know what that meant, but it got the one channel that I could get, and I would turn it off. And like as my parents were coming in the room, and I was just praying that the little white dot would go away quick enough so they wouldn't know, right? And so I'm like, please, 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 please. And so this idea, we always need something better. So I was always thinking, hey, I need a color TV in my room so the little dot would go away. We, we, we need a bigger house. We want a better house, the things that we got. I mean, I've even talked to people that um, they've built a house, and it's like their dream house, and then they find something wrong with the dream house. You ever heard that? So there's nothing. I mean, we're always looking for something better. We want a little bit more. You, you've got that. I mean, we're out, people are now out at Round Top this week, and they're looking for something a little bit better, a little bit bigger. Some of you are, are looking for a better sports team. You know, your sports team is not kind of adding up. I mean, I'm a Rangers fan. It's going to be a long season, okay? And so I'm not going to adopt the Astros. I don't know who I'm going to adopt, but, but I need a better sports team. And so we're always looking for better. That's just who we are and what we're about. We're, we're never completely satisfied. God has given us this innate desire within us, this drive to have better, to pursue better. Even as parents, one of the things that we want is we want better for our children. Even if we can't define clearly what that is, we say we want better. And in American culture, we think of, hey, that's our kids having more money. It means our kids having better jobs, better retirement. They get to retire at 45 instead of 50. Whatever that is, we're thinking we want better. And so over the next few weeks, I want us to just kind of peel back this idea of what does it mean for us to have better and to pursue better and to be better and to truly understand what Christ is talking about for us to be better. Because maybe what Christ is talking about as far as a better life and a better foundation and pursuit of better things may not necessarily be the things that we think about. And so today as we begin Easter and we think about the foundation of Jesus Christ, that the very reason that we gather here today, that you've dressed up in your good stuff, because I know people that are here regularly are like, oh my goodness, Chris has a jacket on, and y'all are in shock about this, okay? His shirt is still untucked, but he has a jacket on. We're moving forward. That is better this week than last week, right? And so we're constantly desiring to move forward. Yeah, you want, you want your preacher to wear a tie maybe, whatever that is. And so we're always seeking better and that's that desire so over the next few weeks be looking at this idea and that what i want you to get this morning is life is better if it's built upon the foundation of jesus christ life is better and this is not a a do good do better if you want those self-help books go to barnes and noble go to amazon and find those things this isn't about this this is about building your life upon the foundation of jesus christ and if there is more evidence for the life of the death of and the resurrection of Jesus than any other historical event throughout all of history, and that that is the reason that we are gathered here this morning, is that we have accepted the evidence, the courtroom edict, that Jesus lived, Jesus died, and Jesus resurrected, and therefore we can have life through him. Amen? Okay, y'all can talk back to me. I know y'all are... Here we go, okay? So we can talk back to me. So what I hope for you today and over the next few weeks as we dig into the book of Proverbs is that you can get an idea and an understanding of, listen, God wants us to build our lives upon the foundation of Christ so that we can live a better life. And that better life may or may not be things, but most likely it has to do with focusing in and honing in on our relationship with him and the benefits and the rewards of pursuing him. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now, we'll be looking at verse 5 and 6. I know some of you are already excited. You heard Proverbs chapter 3, and you 
were in VBS or Sunday school growing up as a kid, and you're like, oh, man, I've got half of this passage memorized in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. So we'll come to that, but let's start in verse 1. Proverbs chapter 3. My son or daughter, do not forget my teaching. Literally, my direction, the way that I, I've given it. And so as parents, right, I mean, this is one of the things we do, is we teach our children. We're directing them and guiding them along a certain way. We want them to, to get to a certain path because we want better. Y'all can talk out. Ready? We want better for our children. All right, very good. And so we begin to teach them, even from the very beginning, the things that we feed them, the things that we do with them, the way that we, we teach them to not put their finger in the light socket because it's better for them to not do that. Am I right? Okay, it seems obvious, but we're like, hey, don't do that because it's better for you to not do that. And so our parenting, even the things that we do in parenting, we're directing and guiding our children because we have a a desire for them to not have really kinky, like, hair, okay, or no hair, whatever that looks like, or burnt hair. So we say, hey, don't put your finger in there because that's going to shock you and not be the shock that you want. And so here, the teacher of Proverbs is saying, listen, my son, my daughter, I'm giving you direction, I'm giving you teaching, so I can move you along this path forward. Keep my commands in your heart. This idea of heart, we think of it as, in a Western society, we think of this, this beating thing that you've seen on Discovery Channel where they do surgeries and all that kind of stuff, and that's, that's part of it. But, but in the Hebrew mind and in the Eastern mindset, the heart isn't just here, but there's this connection between this thing up here called the mind and the heart, that what drives us and moves us and motivate us, motivates us, and the way that we make decisions is we say, hey, I, I am moved to make a decision. I feel it in my gut that this is the right decision. So you move in this way. But there's also this other piece, this logical piece, and there's this movement back and forth. And so really, truly, for the Eastern people, the Eastern mindset, when you see heart, they're talking about literally a seat that you sit upon and that you ponder and think about the decisions that you're about to make and to step forward in. And so here the teacher is saying, listen, look at all the commands, look at all the directions, all the teachings I've given you. And when you come to a point of decision, sit down for a moment, ponder, consider, and to think so that you move out of this place to make the right and the correct decision. So here we are. Proverbs 3, verse 1. Keep my commands in your heart. Why? So that you can be moved in the right direction. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Literally, peace that passes understanding, a whole body type of peace. Because when we think of prosperity, what do we think of? Show me the money, right? That's what we think of. And so sometimes you even hear that, like, hey, if you're prosperous, if you have enough faith, you're going to have this, then you're going to be blessed with and you're going to have prosperity. And what really and truly the scriptural idea of prosperity isn't about more money, but it's about having peace. Have you ever had those moments where you go to bed at night and you're consumed with worry and fear and doubt? No, just at our house. Okay, cool. So at our house, there are times, there are those moments where we have fear, we have worry, we have doubt because there may be more month than we have in the bank account. There may be like, hey, what's happening at work or what's happening with our kids and all these different things. And so here they're saying to us, listen, take these commands, take these teachings, allow them to soak in, to marinate in your heart so that when you come to a point of decision, you make a good, you make the better decision, all right? And so that here you are at this moment and allowing it to to soak in because we want you to have a long life that's peaceful. Because let's be honest, if you're over the age of 25 and you've bought something, you've consumed something that you thought would bring you peace, 
and it hasn't. Am I right? Okay, for those of you under 25, you know, maybe you don't know, but like you've bought a new iPhone, you've bought a new car, you've bought a whatever, and you thought, if I just have this, I don't know what that is, if I just have this, this will solve my life and I will have peace. And then the moment that you buy it or the moment that thing breaks, it doesn't give you peace, it actually brings you angst and it brings you worry and it consumes you because you're like you bought something that thought you would bring you peace, but then you look at your bank account and you realize you don't even have enough money, so now you're worrying about how you're going to pay for it. So my commandments, allow yourself to be motivated to make good decisions so that you may have prosperous life, a peaceful life. Maybe we should be get rid of more things instead of bringing on new things. How to have a long and prosperous life is to pursue the commands and to know him. Verse 3 and 4, how to have a good name. That whenever you walk into a place that someone says, hey, that's John, and, and good things come up. That's what we want. Let love, the self-sacrificial, giving away type love, and a faithfulness that, that this is a faithfulness that even though you have other options to make, that you choose to continue to, to be faithful to the commitment and the decision that you made. Let love and faithfulness never leave you, but bind them around your neck. And, and so you've seen these, these athletes or these stars, and they're, they're out in front of people, and what do they have? They have necklaces, and on those necklaces they have what? Crosses, right? And so that cross is a symbol of what? Yeah, God, faith, Christianity, Christianity, whatever it is. But it's a symbol for them. We think, we believe, hey, that they're wearing this cross. It's bound around their neck. Some of you have them. It's, it's a reminder to you that you are a follower of Jesus. And so here's what the teacher is saying is, listen, we are easily distracted people. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah 17 says it this way, our hearts are deceptive. So in other words, we are easily deceived, our hearts are deceptive, and so the teacher tells us, hey, put things around you, put things around you, so bind this truth around your neck that you are a follower of Christ, you are a child of God, and so everywhere you go, you're reminded of that because our hearts are easily deceived. And so even the Hebrew people of the day, their teachers took it even further and say, listen, just bind this stuff around your neck, but then also, you know, like some of you wear watches and different things like that, so let's take this jewelry thing and let's bind a phylactery around you and this little leather piece, and then we'll put a little box in it, and we'll let's put Deuteronomy chapter 6, which says, Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one, and that's who we worship. And so you have that, and so every time that you pledge or make obedience to something or someone, you're truly being reminded of the fact that, hey, I'm pledging allegiance, but I'm also more than that. I'm being reminded of the fact that my allegiance, my true allegiance is to God, my king. And then they also went a little bit further, and I don't know if I would do this, but this is something that they would do. They would go out and they would be in worship and they would actually take another phylactery and they would wrap it around their head and have a little box right here. Why? Because you want the word of God to be upon your Mind. Why would you want the word of God to be upon your mind? What did we just talk about? It moves you. This is where the decisions are made. You're, you're motivated out of here. And so constantly this idea of, hey, I have the word of God upon my mind. I have the word of God upon my heart. And we're bound by this because we are extremely simple people that are easily swayed by the group. As a matter of fact, Jesus calls us sheep. That means that we're stinky and stubborn and are easily distracted. And our hearts are deceived. For us to continually be reminded of the fact that our hearts are deceived and that God desires us 
to know him and to pursue him and in knowing him, pursuing him, that we put things around us to remind us. This is a part of the teaching. Even some of you at your house, you have scriptures all over. You know, this is... This is the Lord's house, and this is whom we serve. Or, you know, the bless the Lord. You have the, the Lord's prayer, and you have all these different things. So some of you have even gone into your house, and, and uh, even in your bathroom, you, you have, you know, get sin away from me, or whatever you've got up on there on your deals. Because my sister-in-law, she's got verses all over the house because the kids are learning verses. And so everywhere you go, you've got another verse. Why? Because she's training up my brother-in-law. They're training up their children in the way that they should go, and they're putting Scripture verses around them. So they're constantly soaking in. It's this idea of binding your mind and binding your heart and putting it around your neck, the truth of God's Word, because our hearts are deceptive. We're easily deceived, and we need to be reminded constantly of the fact that we are children of the King and not trash. That we are worthy of the great gift of salvation through Christ That we've come to this place and we say, listen God, we're not worthy of it But because you've given it to us, we receive this gift And now we're children of the King And we don't want to forget the fact because we are so easily go back to the stuff that we know That we do not want anymore because we want better, not trash So for us, continue to pursue Verse, uh, continue on verse 3. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Literally chisel them in. Verse 4. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and of man. In other words, as people look at you and they get to know you, the character of who you are, that transformation doesn't happen from the outside, but it happens from the inside. And so as Scripture begins to marinate and begins to, to change us and to transform us, the way that we see people, the way that we treat people, the way that we do life constantly changes. And so that one day they look at us and they're saying, listen, you are not the same person that I knew a year ago or two years ago. You're being transformed through the truth of God's Word. Look at verse 5. Now this is a verse that many of you, if you've grown up in and around church, you know very well. So let's dig into that for a little bit. Trust. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. This idea of trust is, is safe unto careless, that we so trust him that we're willing to, to do some things that are, maybe even seem a little careless to others because we know that he's got us. He's got our back. So we're going we're gonna to trust him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and moves us forward. And lean not on your own understanding. In other words, don't support yourself by your own knowledge. Trust in the Lord. And lean not on your own understanding. How many of you would admit that you're in some places and situations in your life that you know that are not the best for you? Some areas of your life. You don't have to raise your hands, but let's just submit, okay? We'll agree to agree. If you're over the age of 25, you're, you've made some things, and there's some areas of your life that you're like, hey, I wish this, right? And so one of the things that you could do is lean not in those moments. You've leaned on your own Understanding, You've tried to work it out in your own way, in your own wisdom, in your own sense. And now you're in that place where your GPS is going rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. If you're married, your spouse is probably saying, yeah, I told you a long time ago, reroute, reroute, right? And you're like, I don't want to listen to that. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust. How do we trust? How do we get to a place of trust? It takes time. It takes time spending time with someone to get to know them, to, to invest in them and them invest in you. And, and so this, is, this passage here is a passage of relationship. It's a passage of community. It's a passage of not just doing life on our own, but doing life in community with each other, other people that, are in rela- that we're in relationship to, and, and true relationships. Now, y'all, some of y'all, if you're old enough, you know that, that show called Cheers. 
and the cheer song, you know, that you go in and say, hey, you want someone to know your name, right? So you walk into a place like this, and you want people to go, hey, Chris, hey, Sally, hey, John, hey, Susie. You want people to know that. But we don't really want people to know us. We don't really want people to say, hey, Chris, and then really know some of the stuff about you. But for us to truly do life, for us to truly understand what it means to be in a faith community, to be in, in life together, is that we've got to begin to know one another. We've got to be able to, to do life in such a way that you're sitting across from each other in coffee and you say, hey, hey, here's a little bit about who I am. Get to know your backstory. Get to know about what drives you. And, and that, let's be honest, a lot of the decisions that we make is because we don't want to be like our parents. Okay, again, only my house, all right? Or we, we want to do some things different. So we even, we discipline or we do some things. Or, or you've seen some other, somebody else in your family do something or some close friends and you've seen them go down a path. And so those decisions, the decisions that you're like, hey, that wasn't life-giving for them. So I'm motivated. I'm moved. My, my mover is moving me in a different direction from them. And so that, that's the truth for us is that we, in those moments, we're trying not to lean not on our own understanding, but trust in the Lord. And there's this relationship thing that happens if you're in faith community and you're doing Doing faith community well, you have people that you can call at 2 a.m. and say, listen, I'm in a situation that's not better. Can you help me? And for some reason, we have an idea that we've come and we've made a personal decision to follow Christ and that that means that then no one else gets to be a part of our decision and helping us move forward. And that is actually not biblical. For us to gather together on a regular basis and for us to do life and for us to speak life and truth into one another is the idea of shaping and forming and moving. And that throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, most of the time, whenever God or whenever Jesus says you, he's not just saying you, Chris, he's saying you, community. And for us to be able to do life together. And so there's this trusting that goes. And so the longer that we do life with each other, the longer that we do life with Christ, the more we trust in him. Because there's going to be points where he's going to walk us through places that seem ridiculously scary, that seem ridiculously crazy. And he's wanting us to walk this path. And he's saying, come, follow me, because he's walked that path before. And he's wanting us to go to this place. And the only way that we can get to that place is if we allow ourselves to trust him. And is he trustworthy. And the only way that we can know that he's trustworthy is if we spent time with him and developed the relationship with him. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. It takes time. It takes years to be able to do that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do you know God is the best text dot supervisor ever? Texas Department of Transportation. How many of you have ever gone somewhere and you've run over a pothole? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. And that's, that, that's exciting, isn't it? All right. How many of you have gone someplace and there's road construction and it just totally veers you and takes you away and do all that? It's exciting, isn't it? Okay. So here's the idea is, listen, God says, as you begin to make your path straight, as you begin to, to look and to focus upon me, I make your path straight. I literally level the ground that you walk upon because the quickest way from point A to point B is a straight line or a crooked line. Straight line. That's good. But how many times do we and our ultimate knowledge and wisdom start at point A and then we kind of do this whole thing? A lot of times. Amen. 
You've been with your parents on a lot of trips. All right. And so GPS is going on, right? Rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. And we even hear it. We hear the GPS saying rerouting. And guys, how many times have you heard the GPS say rerouting and you go, don't pay attention to it. I've got another way to go. Right? But you keep letting it go and your wife or whoever else is in the car is like, turn it off if you don't need directions. And you're like, no, just in case. (laughs) It's been a while. Okay? And that's how we do life is we think that we've got it. And so then we go, we're, we're trying all these different paths and all these different routes. And then at the end of our rope, we go, okay, let's stop. Let's gather the facts and truly realize where are we? Because we don't even know where we're at anymore. So we can get to where we want to go. How ridiculous that is and how ridiculous that sounds. But listen, God tells us, take in the truths of God's word. Bind them around your neck. Put them around you. Surround them. Allow the GPS of God to direct your past and to know the truth and that there are times that you're wandering and you're going about and you're going, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. And God's like, okay, let's just keep letting it go. Let's just keep letting it go until that moment at the last moment. You're like, listen, we're going to be late for whatever. Stop and let's truly get the truth of where we're at. Lean not on your own understanding. Direct yourselves. And in that moment, what do we do? We know exactly where we're at and we go. For us too, as followers of Christ, there's those moments where we're doing things and we're pursuing things. And it all in the pursuit of better. Mind you. All in the pursuit of better. And we get off track and we have to stop in just a moment and go, Okay, let me admit, I'm not God. Let me admit, my GPS is off. Let's truly find out where I'm at because I need to get where I need to get. And so we stop and we reflect. As far as of Christ, we look at the cross. We gather around our community and they help us direct us along the path. So that because literally the scripture says, as you're walking along, he levels the path for you so that you don't trip, you don't fall, you don't stumble. Because I don't know about you, but there have been those moments even when I'm walking along a path and all of a sudden a little pebble comes up and trips you. Have you ever had that? Okay? It even says, listen, it even removes the most finite pebbles so that you will not trip and stumble to get to your path. It's a beautiful image for us. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord. Literally, worship him and to shun evil, to run away. And this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And one final thought. God wants to make you wealthy. Now, this is not a health and wealth. Okay? I don't do that around here. But I want you to grasp this. This is an upside-down deal. God wants to make you wealthy. How to have a healthy life, but also how to be wealthy. How many of you feel wealthy? Four or five of you. That's awesome. Y'all see me afterwards, okay? We have this, this thing. Most of us do not feel wealthy. We have this, this thing of we always need more, we need more, we want more, because we just kind of look and, and we have this thing of, okay, if I have this amount of money in the bank, then that's going to be enough, right? So 500000 that that feels pretty good. We'll be good. And then you get to 500000 and then the research shows that 500000 those that have 500000 in the bank go, you know what, it'd feel even better if I had a million, right? And then those that have a million, the research says, they go around and they ask people, hey, they have a million dollars. So um, if you have a million dollars, they're saying, hey, is a million dollars enough? And they're like, yeah, it's okay. I could use $2 million. And so it's continued on, this, this continued pursuit of better, that there's truly never enough, right, for us to feel like. Why? Because we put our trust in 
those things and not in him. And so here, what Jesus does, the, the author, the teacher of Proverbs, it's not Jesus, but God, teaches us that, listen, upside down, and here's the truth, if we make over $30,000, we're in the one top 1% of wealth in the world. Okay? If you make over $30,000, you're in the top 1% of wealth around the world. So, you're wealthy. Most of us are, are wealthy, okay? So here it is. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Whether you feel wealthy or not, the money that you have, honor the Lord. How do we do that? With the first fruits of our crops. In other words, the very first things that come in, give that away. That's how you feel wealthy. Because here's the deal. This is upside down, right? Because we think that the more that we gather in, that makes us feel wealthy. But here's the deal. God teaches, and actually the research shows, that the more that we give away the wealthier we feel. Even if you just think, you're like, man, I, I just get $10 a month. Well, if you give away a portion of that, you're going to feel wealthy because it is natural for us to gather in and to hoard, and there's never enough. And so when we're gathering around, when you bought that thing, you think that's going to bring me peace. You think that new TV, the new car, the new house, all that stuff is going to bring me peace. And what happens is we don't trust in God. We don't trust in other things. We begin to trust in those things. And that's what gives us our image. That's what gives us our self-worth. That's what gives us life and meaning and all that stuff. And so we lose our peace. We lose our sleep. We lose all this because we're continuing to grab it and to bring it around us. And God's saying, listen, instead of being like this, be like this. And I know that is counterintuitive, and it scares us. But here's what I do know, is that God's math doesn't equal our math. Two plus two in our world does equal four. Two plus two in God's world equals five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I've seen it over and over and over again. And so many of you that have experienced this where you've been giving away and you're giving away. And you're like, it doesn't make sense. I shouldn't make it the ends meet at the end. I shouldn't have enough money. But because I've been giving first fruits and giving my first fruits, God honors it. And literally it says our vats, our storehouses, our warehouses are overflowing. And I don't feel wealthy, but I enjoy being generous. So for us as followers of Christ, this is this upside-down world, upside-down thinking that so much of the world tells us, this is what is better for you. And God keeps telling us, listen, pursue those things if you want. Let the GPS of your own intuition, of your own wisdom, pursue those things. And in that moment where you feel lost and your GPS is saying, rerouting, rerouting, okay, let me refocus and then pursue him. And he will make your path straight. He will give you a life of peace. He will give you a life of wealth. He will give you a life of health. All of those things that you're craving after maybe just need to be redefined. And it's not the things. It's not the what. It's the who. This morning, that's my challenge for us. If you're here for a long time, the who. Where's your GPS taking you? Where have you gone? Are you lost or you're out here astray and you're trying to find your way back and you're frustrated with your life situation? Let's be honest for just a moment. The reason that you're frustrated, most of us are frustrated with our situation, is because of decisions that we've made. Most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, we're in situations because of decisions that we made. Stop, get your GPS redirected, follow the path that you know. Some of you this morning, you're saying, hey, listen, I've never 
understood this Jesus thing. I don't get this Jesus thing. Listen, here's what I want you to grasp, if nothing else. Jesus is what the Bible teaches. As a son of God, he came and he lived for 33 and a half years. He gave his life for us upon the cross. He died and he resurrected. Listen, all the other stuff, the miracles, all those other things, there's some really cool miracles that happen. But listen, the one thing that's verifiable, that if we're put in a courtroom, the evidence, there's more than enough evidence to say this is true, is that Jesus once was dead and now he was alive. That there are thousands of people that saw him resurrected, moving. They saw the scars. They saw the stuff. They saw him die. And then they saw him walking. They saw him eating and drinking and all this different stuff. Everything that's verifiable, everything that we need in a courtroom to say this is true. If you can be convicted of resurrection, you, Jesus, are convicted. You have been resurrected. Therefore, for us, we are trusting in that very moment. If nothing else, if you don't understand anything, trust in that. And then I promise you that over the next few days, over the next few weeks, that you can place your trust in him as you do life with him and he invests in you and you invest in him over time. He will prove himself trustworthy so that whenever you think that you know it best, you can stop in that moment and say, listen, I need Jesus. Because one of the things that the Bible teaches us is that for us as followers of Christ, once we said yes to Jesus, the same power that resurrected him from death to life now resides with inside of you. And so that the deepest, darkest, stinkiest, smelliest, all the adult words places that we get ourselves into, the power of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection power can get you out of to get you from point A to point B. This morning, I pray that if nothing else, that you trust in that Jesus. Trust and lean on him. Know him and acknowledge him in all your ways so that he will make your path straight. At the cross, it's level ground. You don't have to have an education. You don't have to be wealthy. You don't have to be all these different things. But the path to the cross, the place in front of the cross is level ground. Come, trust, meet this Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your life, death, and resurrection. And we're even gathered here today to celebrate that truth. Father, we admit so many times we trust in ourselves more than we trust in you. That we lean on our own understanding. So Father, I just pray this morning that all of us in this room would just stop for a moment. And just allow our, the GPS of our heart and our soul to just recalculate so that we can know the route, we can know the path, we can just catch a glimpse of the direction that we need to be heading. <laughs> but Father, our hearts are deceptive and we go in all different kinds of paths and all different ways in pursuit of what we think is better. And so many times doesn't give us a peace that passes understanding, but, Father, literally sucks life from us. So, Father, I just pray for those in this room, wherever they're at, Lord, that we would just stop in this moment. Father, this morning, maybe someone has never said yes to you. They've never trusted in you and your life, your death, and your resurrection. May today be that day. If that's something you need to do today, just pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I need you. 
Dear Jesus, I trust you. I trust that your death upon the cross will give me new life. And that from this day forward, I desire to know you and to trust you and to live for you. It's in your son's name that I pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this morning, for this opportunity. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.